0: Check, 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 check. As everybody gets in, there's going to be a special introduction this morning. We have a special introduction this morning. Um, yeah. You can go, take the music out for a second, Scotty. There you go. Okay. For those of you that got in here early, I would like to introduce you to hip-hop legend, dance all-star, Will Valley. We will be signing autographs after we're done
1: we do do weddings and funerals so you could see i'll do that dance at either one whatever one you want um, yeah the, <laughs> welcome i guess everyone's not awake yet yeah what what yeah, we had a good time, so let's, you know, Josh and I were talking about that, and something I think that's lost, because, you know, in the Christian culture, kind of the, the forefathers of our faith were part of a, a different culture than we're from, the, the, the Jewish culture, the Israelite culture, and, and these people, they honestly knew how to party and have a good time, right? They'd have a festival, and that baby would last long and long. You know, we go to a wedding here, we're like, it's been like two hours, time to go home. Right, right now, I, I get that, but sometimes we think we're missing something here because we have a God who's done everything, is in control, he's the man. I'm not, and I don't have to be, so why can't I celebrate a little bit? So sometimes I think we don't celebrate enough. So, hey, dance, you're, you're sore, you dance, say, hey, exercise, it's good for you. <laughs> Hey, wanted to just welcome everyone in. I know people are making their way in. If you're new here, my name is Will. I'm the pastor and the dancer, yeah? Um, And now you know the answer to an important question. Everyone looks at my wife and says, how in the world did you get such a beautiful woman to fall for you? The dance moves, baby. (laughs) Pay attention, youngins. you got the smooth dance moves. You can, you know, be a six and get like, well, a five and get like an 11, right? Okay. This is how that works. It's the dance moves. That's the key and the blessing of God. But today we're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. I, I just feel like I need to kind of take it back to a base level. So welcome, guys, here at the Ridge. We, if you want to support our ministry, don't pass out baskets. So we have these offering baskets here, two here and two in the back. It's also a place where we'd love for you to put information on these cards here. There's prayer request. If you have a prayer request, if you're visiting, you want more information. Um, if you've come a few times and you're like, you guys are my kind of crazy, right? Like, yeah, no, that's really blinking. It's not in your mind. It's really blinking right now. So, but if you're, if you see that, would you fill this out so we can either be praying for you or connect with you? Maybe you want to get on the email list and find out what we're doing and put it in one of those baskets. By the, end of the, by, by the time you leave today, okay? Uh, secondly, want to invite you back tonight. We've started, we're going through the book of John Sunday morning. Too many times, we talk about it Sunday morning, and then it's just dropped. So from that heart, we've started back what we're calling Sunday night church. So what's happening here is we don't have anything for the kids from zero to sixth grade right now on Sunday night. But if you have teenage kids... God bless you, first of all. And then secondly, bring them to youth. We've got youth group from four to six on Sunday nights. At that same time, four to six, all us big kids and the gray all of us over here, we get together and we have Sunday night church. And, and usually what we'll do is we'll expand or, or go on that topic and just keep going with it from what we're talking about Sunday mornings. So come be here, part of that four to six. Another way to connect, guys, Wednesday nights. Uh, Randy and Sandy are hosting game night here at the church, so it's a great time. Four to six, or four to eight. Four to eight. Okay, yeah. So f- they're here from four to eight. You can kind of come and go. Hey, the kids are welcome. Man. Kids are welcome, all ages, because they're playing playing board games. <laughs> he said the kids usually beat the adults. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah. So Sunday night, you have that kind of connection where it's discussion based. We're going through what we're talking about in the sermon or some kind of biblical talk topic. Wednesday night, it's much more, I know there's a devotional piece, but it's much more of a, a game time and just a pure fellowship, okay? Now, if you look behind me, what's cool is we've got, we've got eight people up here, just like you and I, that want to serve God. They've been practicing this week and working on, on putting together a set of music that invite us to worship with them. I'm really grateful for that. So I want to pray, and then I want to invite all you guys to stand, and we'll... We'll sing some songs together, okay? Father, we're, we're here to be together. We're here to spur one another along, to, to challenge one another, to encourage one another, to hold each other's hands or, or even rebuke each other at times, whatever it takes so that we would be men and women knowing you more and more and growing in our faith and our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And so just help us, Lord, as, we're, as we try to follow you, that we be people that keep following you. So right now, Lord, we just want to sing praises from our hearts about you, about your, your wonder and your amazement and your unending love for us, Lord, and our gratefulness for you. So please take every one of these songs as, as a prayer. And we just pray this, Jesus because of what you did, and because of who you are. Amen.
2: Good morning. I want to invite you all to stand up. We've got a couple of new songs this morning. We're going to have some fun worshiping God, letting the joy of Him just fill us and fill this place. Thank you. is all about praising God. Fear cannot exist while we are praising. So if you are carrying that today, let it go. Just give it to him.
3: now praise you up in your A weapon that comes
4: So excited that you're here, and I gotta tell you, as always, whoever walks through the doors of the Ridges Church, it is our heart's desire that you are truly blessed. You know, just a few weeks ago, Sandy and I were in Ephesus, and we were walking down the walkway, and I was just overwhelmed by the fact that the Apostle John, that the Apostle Paul, that The mother of Jesus, Mary, had walked those same streets. Of course, the buildings were not in ruins. They were all pristine. But nevertheless, I was so taken by the fact that I got to walk the streets that the apostles walked, that the the mother of Jesus walked. And I was thinking about the fact this morning, as we move into a time of worship together, As we share in communion, that John was there that evening with Jesus and the other disciples and the first time where Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. And following that, he took the cup of wine and he said, drink, for this is my blood, which I freely shed for you. And when you think about the early church, especially when the apostles were still living and they would meet with those small groups of Christians, the fact that they would break bread and they would drink wine and how overflowing it must have felt for John and the other apostles, the fact that Jesus had the opportunity to share with them to do this in remembrance of what he did for us. And this morning, we're going to take that opportunity. And I want to encourage you, each and every one, and if you're a parent and you have your children here, I want you to be encouraged to take and share with them and just reminisce in the thought that this is what Jesus wanted us to do. Not to glutton ourselves with bread and wine, but rather to be remembering that he shed his blood for you and I freely. And if you're one who does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, you can do that just by simply saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me to be the person that you want me to be and share in this time of communion together. So with that being said, I want to just begin with a word of prayer. And please feel free to come and to partake of a very special moment. And as you do, always remember, our Lord and Savior loves you and me. And I I can't help but think that uh, when Josh and Laura, their daughter getting married to Seth, Seth's dad looked at his son and said to him, Son, you know I love you with all my heart. But you know what? Jesus loves you even more than I could ever hope to. And that's so true. Father, as we partake today, help us more than anything else to remember, Lord, what you did for us. The sacrifice, once and for all, that you died for our sins. Father, the book of our sins is gone. It's wiped out. And Jesus remembers it no more. He has that ability. We are shared through the word of God that his love for us transcends all things. He's known us before we were ever even in the womb. And he knows us better than anybody else. And he loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best for each and every one. So Father, as we partake this morning, let us do it with the joy and the recognition of what Christ did for us. In his special son's name we pray.
2: so much, so much for your incredible love for us, and thank you for this time that we have to honor you and worship you, and we just ask that you open our hearts as Pastor Will comes and delivers our message this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Oh, might not preach from the back Don't well. Oh, well, right yeah. Of course, the people online might not appreciate that so much, but hey, thank you everyone up there on the platform for pushing through and and leading us today as we sing praises um, grab your Bibles and we're we're actually God willing, we'll see what happens for sure. But God willing, we're going to finish chapter 1 today of John. So that's, that's an accomplishment because we go kind of slow sometimes. Uh, John chapter 1. Sermon titles aren't important, but I thought this was funny anyway. Josh and I were laughing about it. Taking walks and making friends. So at my house, it's kind of like that. About half the people at my house we love. When we, we go somewhere, we always make friends. And then the rest of them are just embarrassed because... We're always making friends, but at this point in time, what we're seeing is Jesus uh, going from place to place intentionally, connecting with people, and beginning to get get together his disciples. Um, Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get into that. Lord, I just ask that you lead us. Just lead us as we get into your word here. Speak to us. Teach us. I pray that these words wouldn't just go in our head, but they'd help us to know you more. That they would help us to trust you more so that we can push into you, lean into you, whatever word we want to use, so that you are truly our God and someone we can depend on because we just need you. Lord, we don't see clearly. We're easily taken out. We're easily frustrated, easily offended, easily sad. And so simple sometimes, Lord. And we just we need a Savior. We need a rescuer, and that's you. I pray, like John's prayer for his his letter, that this would actually help us to grow in believing you. So lead us in that process. I pray, Amen. Now this is a map here. It's a, uh, it's really small, so it's hard to see. But but what you see kind of in the center here, right? You, oops, I think it. It shut that off. So what you see over here is, is towards the bottom. There's a little body of water. That's the Dead Sea. And then you go up and you have the Sea of Galilee. Anyone know the river that runs that's running between those two right there? It's kind of hard to see. The Jordan River. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is up to this point, we see we're coming on the scene and there's this guy, John the Baptist. And what he's doing is he is, he's basically paving the way for Jesus. And so a lot of times it says that Jesus came, and it's a little bit confusing because apparently uh, John was baptizing people in a place called Bethany on the other side, right, of the Jordan River. Now, if you go online later and you look at these PowerPoints, or if you're online right now, you might see that, and kind of what you're going to see that's, that's interesting, and I can probably help you this way might be best. So if you look right here, that's, that's Bethany, and that's the Bethany that Jesus talks about a lot, where Lazarus was from. It's real near Jerusalem. The problem is, he also refers to a Bethany on the other side of the Jordan. Okay? So, it can be confusing, but our, our best understanding, the Bible scholars, is there was a second place, a second town that had the name Bethany. So, why I want to show this to you is, a lot of people believe it was actually it might be another name for this Bethabara. I don't know exactly how you say it, but that's how Prescott Valley accent says it. So that being the case, what we find here, where we're gonna pick up, is John somewhere, John somewhere on this side of the Jordan, along this land here, baptizing. And Jesus has come, and this is where he has met, right? Peter. And what was Peter's brother's name? Do you remember? Andrew right? And then there was another guy, John, who wrote this, and John had a brother. Do you remember what John's brother's name is? James. So he's met these four, and now we're going to start in a scripture that says the next day that he decided to go, and he went from here up to Galilee. You see where Galilee is up there? So it's, it's quite a walk. But I wanted to put that in context, because oftentimes we just read one thing after another, and we lose the humanity of what's going on. And when we lose the humanity of what's going on, we automatically take ourselves out of it in, the hum, in our human nature, right? Like, I can't go where they went because, like, I don't know how many miles that is because no one knows for sure where John was at this time. And, and so let me just show you the scripture. It says this, verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, And why that's significant is a lot of people will say, well, he went to Galilee the next day. I don't know for sure, but, but all I can see based on the text itself is the next day he decided to go. Did it take him a day to get there? Did it take him a less than a day to get there? Lots of opinions. But here's what you need to know. He walked. Okay? No Uber. Right? No car of his own. No teleporting. Right? He, he walked and he didn't walk alone. If we jump ahead, the next thing that we're going to see in chapter 2 is a wedding. And there was guys with him at the wedding. So if they came, if they came from all the way down here, somewhere on this side of the Jordan, over here, across the Jordan somehow, over into Galilee, up on Cana, up at the top there, that's where the wedding is. So he had a group of people going with him. Now the question is who? Based on what we can tell. At this point in time, when he decided to go, he had Peter, he had Peter's brother Andrew, and probably John and James. So those guys took off on foot, taking a walk and making friends. And they got to know each other, right? And Pastor Randy and I, we've talked about that, so I'm like, I think we lose the time they had together. So I thought it was worth kind of dwelling on, because then it jumps right into there. He found a guy named Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. So he gets there. He finds this guy, Philip, and says, follow me, which is just so quick. It seems almost un- inhuman because it's like, how in the world did, did he say, follow me? And this guy, this guy comes into town. He's like, hey, follow me. Sweet, let's go. Uh, you know, that's what it sounds like from, from the text. Now, if we go to verse 44, check out what it says next. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida. The city of Andrew and Peter. Ah, okay. What we believe based on other history and, and textual documents, right, is that Philip was also acquainted with John the Baptist. It doesn't say it right there, but they believe that. Which you're pretty sure the fact that John mentioned, right, that Philip was from the same city. City is Andrew and Peter, and these were not huge cities. They had some kind of acquaintance, right? Now it's different. Now the guy walks into town and he's like, Simon, right? Who was Peter's name until Jesus gave him a new one. Andrew, like, hey, what's up, guys? I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, yeah, we've been down over in Bethany with John. Oh, yeah, I knew you guys were going down there. How'd it go, right? Oh, this is our friend, the Messiah, by the way, Jesus. You should follow him, the one John was telling us about. He's like, sweet, I'm in. Does that make a little more sense? Okay, so let's, let's just, so now, fascinating enough, they also think he was a fisher. Was he acquainted with John and James? John doesn't say. But now, now do you see the humanity in this? Philip was so sold out, in fact. Verse 30, or 45 says this. He went and found Nathanael. He went and found Nathanael, someone he was acquainted with. And he said to him, We have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay, let, let me stop here for a second. First of all, in John... This disciple is referred to as Nathaniel. okay? In other books, other the, other the, gospel, the other gospel books, you'll hear him referred to as Bartholomew. And the reason why is because of his father. You can link both of the names to having the same father. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, that's the whole meaning of the name Bartholomew. So, so it is the same disciple. He was acquainted He comes up and is like, okay, man, you guys know the law, right? All these guys grew up knowing this this prophecy, waiting for the Messiah to come. What was the Messiah going to do in their mind? Conquer Conquer Rome, right? So he knew about that, and then he became acquainted through John the Baptist, who was paving the way. He had these guys. These guys were longing to be part of what was about to happen, the overthrowing of Rome. We talked about before, especially if they were fishermen, They weren't, they hadn't achieved the highest class in society. And here was an invitation to get back into the service of the church, if you will. And that seemed like a much better option, especially a Messiah who might be the king, right? They could be in service of the king, a much better life than a fisherman. These guys were pumped about what was happening, right? Now, what's funny, it's lost on us. But once he told them we found the Messiah, I'm just picturing Nathaniel's face like, oh, sweet. And then he's like, yeah, his name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth. His dad's name is Joseph. And I bet his face just dropped. And then he says this, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Once again, lost on us. But from what I can gather from my studies, not like Nathaniel comes from a a really amazing place with lots of prestige. But he considers himself high class compared to the folks in Nazareth. So he knows he clearly knows the prophecy. He knows that this Messiah is going to come from the the city of David, which is Bethlehem, which he did come from. But none of these guys cared to ask where he was born. They just cared to ask where he was living, right? Uh, Fascinating enough. So Philip said, come see. And this is where it gets really like, really sort of challenging, but we read over this and we just skip over it. So then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. I need your help here. When you think of Israelite, what do we think of? What do you guys think of based on what you know so far? What's that? Jewish? Okay. Okay. I mean, there probably are wrong answers, but there's not very many wrong answers. I want to know kind of where we're at. What was that? The chosen of God. The The elitist. What's that? Okay, when you're reading that, you're thinking of a Pharisee. They're very concerned about what? The laws. Yeah, right? Like, what are they supposed to do? What are they not supposed to do? There is that elitist attitude because they're the one family from whom God is going to save the world, right? And, and they're the blessed ones. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, please understand that the corruption of this group was so great that they're just coming out of a period, a period of silence from their God. Right? Like the prophets, the end of the prophets, and then like radio silence from God. But they kept going and going, and they were so full of their processes and their practices. So it's almost funny because I don't... And and really, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what was meant here. You could read that, and was Jesus being sarcastic? Like, oh, another one of those Jews? None of those guys are deceitful, Uh right? Because the whole thing is about putting on a persona, a facade... Uh, They have taken what was true in God's law, and they've added to it for their own benefit, edification, and elitism, right? But I, I don't believe in praying and studying this, what he's talking about. What I believe, it has to do with the fact that God knew him. He knew Nathaniel. And what he knew about Nathaniel is he wasn't playing the games that some of these other religious folks were. And you see, you see that. No matter where you come from, you can be in a very religious type of environment, very rigid, but you can have a a tremendous faith and confidence in God. And it's so easy in any church to say, well, our belief system is the only right one, and so all the Christians live here, which just is not true. Like, I understand there are certain belief systems that have nothing to do with God. Clearly not right, right? Right? Because there is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. They don't get that piece around, then we're in disagreement. But a lot of these other practices, I mean, can a person be part of one denomination or the other that studies the word? And even if their practices are very religious, right? Like, do you know somebody who's come from a catechism background, and they they love to pray the rosary, but when they pray it, they mean it? Like, right? They pray for you more than you do? Like, there's people of faith, and so God knew Nathaniel, and he's like, this dude's not playing games. He knows the prophecy, he knows the scripture, he knows about the God of Israel, and he's going to question and say, wait. Is, Jesus is not the first guy who people were saying, here's the Messiah, right? Not the first guy. And over time, they all, they all revealed themselves not to be the one that was promised, right? So he's a little bit like, okay, big problem here. Scripture's pretty clear where this Messiah is coming from and you're telling me he's from Nazareth. Okay? So that's what I want to present to you rather than sarcasm and the reason why is cuz what you see next. 48 Nathanael said to him, "How do you know me?" "How do you know me?" And Jesus answered him, "Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you." Freaky, right? Like, yeah, that'd be a little. So first of all, I'm gathering he really was under the fig tree. Like, Jesus didn't make this up, right? Like, he's like, whoa, okay. Okay. Here's a takeaway that I want to pause here. Jesus knew Nathanael before meeting him face to face. Is that a fair conclusion? Based on what we've just read. Because if I'm wrong, man, question me, because I want to grow, I want to, I want to know and grow more. Okay. Let me throw a couple church words at you. The first one, right, you could you could do omniscience or omniscient. And the two words together has to do with knowing everything. Okay? Because God, because God created everything. He knows everything. Omniscient. So I could see why when Nathaniel's like, how did he know that? Who would know that? Because no one was around. Right? Something supernatural is going on here. The second piece is omnipresent. And that, once again, omni, right, everywhere or all. And then present. So he's like present everywhere. Like Jesus is everywhere. And Jesus knows everything. Jesus is everywhere, and Jesus knows everything. What do you do with that? What do you say? Jesus is watching you. Yeah, okay, Be careful. Right? No, I mean, you can do that, right? Like, beware, Jesus is watching you, like some sadistic Santa Claus that knows where you're sleeping and knows when you're awake, right? Um, I think what it is and what really... What I wonder what was going on with, with Nathaniel at the time, he was seeing in practice these two, these two truths. And those could be applied to every part of God, right? All part of what we call the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father and God the Son. And now is not the time to try to explain it. One, two, I'm, my brain's too small to understand it. But what I know is Jesus was all God, all man. And so he knew everything, and he was everywhere. And that's what hit Nathan, upside Nathaniel, upside the head. So then Nathaniel answered him. Verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So what happened? What happened? Like, what was it? What was Nathan saying to himself, right? Like, what was he saying under that tree? Or, what was he thinking about? Because here's what I believe to be really true. No one says more words to you than you say to yourself. And if you're like me and you talk to yourself a lot, as the saying goes, yes, I talk to myself a lot because I need expert advice, right? So, oftentimes, you talk to yourself. No one's got your attention more than you do. And apparently, he was alone because he didn't say, oh, who told you, Jesus, what I was doing under that tree? Right, no one was there with him. He was alone, left either his words, his thoughts, or his actions. What was he doing? What was he saying to himself? What was he thinking? Which Jesus had saw and caused such an immediate response from Nathaniel, because his upbringing would have ca- caused him to be very cautious. And when Jesus told us about his character, he's like, "Here's an Israelite." That's not easily deceived. He's not faking it. He's not pretending. He's not deceitful. This guy's of, of honest, pure heart. Now, I don't know the answer to this. But I, I, let me see if this makes sense. I don't know the answer, but I kind of do. I kind of, well, how, how do you know that? Because I know Jesus. And this is where it comes out of your head and it hits to the real core of you. I mean, you know those moments and you know that Jesus sees you. And I, I really believe that he just saw Nathaniel and Nathaniel saw his love for him and rather as a I caught you, it was like, no, I love you. Right? Because it tells us, don't we know that the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance? And when it says that, what it's saying is, I'm not trying to shame you to change your mind. I'm loving you into changing your mind. Because when you know I love you, you're less afraid to come my way. So whatever it was, he was loving Nathan. Was he doubting? Was he struggling? I mean, you see, you see people reenact this in movies and stuff, and they use the creativity, but we don't know for sure. But here's what's really cool, too. Here's what I need to share with you, too. So first of all, we'll get back to that, but he knew him. Secondly, I love the way that he responded. He said three separate phrases. First one was rabbi. What's rabbi mean? Teacher. Okay. So he saw that Jesus knew more than he knew. And he's like, there's a guy who knows and a guy worth following and learning from, teacher. And I think he was right on with that, right? Now, his, his uh, context for what a rabbi was, was probably more culturally at the time like, okay, I'll go where you're going because I want to take on your way of living and then eventually become someone who has people take on my way of living. And he says, I would rather do that than the other job I was doing. So his context might be wrong, but his understanding was right. Second one, son of God. And this statement would, could be referred back more to that idea of Messiah. And he was right, but what did he expect the Messiah to do? Yeah, uh, you know, they thought political leader, right? From the city of David, going to reestablish what David had only so much better because it was God in charge and so clearly the Romans didn't have a place in that clearly as Josh said last week what was it healthy, wealthy, and wise man that's what they were expecting they're like yes healthy, wealthy, wise cha-ching let's do this and then the third one really says it king of Israel that's what they were that's what he was expecting he's like yes you're here Romans are going down I'm gonna live in the castle Yes. And then Jesus answered him. He says, "Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these." I mean, think about what he saw. What are some of the things that he's going to see? Yeah. Water to wine. wine. Healing. Healing. Trusting, Trusting, okay. But I'm, I'm thinking miraculous things. People raised from the dead. Walking on water, right? Yeah, sight to a blind man. And even someone who, and then even jesus die and uh, come back to life right and i don't i don't know for sure i should have studied that ahead of time but i'm guessing he was probably in the upper room when jesus shows up like without knocking or anything like comes to their dinner and then all of a sudden poof he's like through the wall or something right like, yeah right and was he there at, at the big barbecue on the beach when jesus after resurrection maybe right he saw some miraculous things he's like wow you think it's amazing that i saw you under the fig tree just you wait dude And he said to him, so Jesus goes on, truly, truly. When he says truly twice, what's that mean? Yeah, like for sure. Like I really, really want you to believe this. Like I'm telling you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending or ascending and descending on the son of man. So we read that like, okay, yeah, whatever that means. Well, it's actually a reference back, and you got to see Nathaniel being like an Israelite without deceit, understanding this. He would know this. This would have been like third grade. He was memorizing this stuff, right? Okay. Uh, Genesis 28. This is kind of where we got this idea. You ever heard of uh, Jacob's ladder? Yeah, and that, that's, that's this concept. Genesis 28, verse 11. And he came to a certain place. Who is he? Jacob, right? So he's, uh, and so God has promised this to, to Abraham for his father. So we're going through kind of the lineage of Abraham's family. Here's Jacob. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones, right? This is really comfortable of the place. He put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. So check that out if you go back to that. Jesus is like, listen, I'm here. I'm here to fulfill what God showed you. I am the ladder. I am the ladder. I am the son of man. I am the ladder from which all the powers of God are coming and going. I I am the connection between heaven and earth. I'm the one setting up an eternal kingdom that's greater than the Roman Empire that will last far longer and greater than america or any or egypt or the nation of israel right or the assyrians or the babylonians they will all come and either go or be equalized but i will go on forever ascending on the son of man son of man you have to ask yourself a little bit, okay, what's that mean? What's, what's son of man mean? Born of men? Yeah. It, it was used to even refer to like the prophet, I think it was Ezekiel, maybe? They, he was a son of man, and you, you see that a lot, son of man. So it comes from man, but at the same time, the son of man. The idea is Jesus is all man and all God. He's the The actual answer, the specimen, the correct version of God's son. And that son of man idea is prophesied about in Daniel. Let me read this to you too, okay? And that way if you go back to the notes. Hey, if if this is a lot, make sure we have your email address. Guys, if you're part of the church family, because Josh will send out this video goes on YouTube, but he also sends out uh, sermon snapshots. So you can look at these slides. That way you can get into your, your word in the week and kind of check through some of this. And if you kind of missed what I said. But I want to make sure I put it out there so you can find it later. Daniel seven thirteen through 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. You see that? He was like out of heavens, but it was a man in his vision. We know who it was. We know who. We know a secret, right? We know who it was. Like the son of man, and he came from the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. I mean, check that out, Corey. Like, dude, it was right there. Like... Hundreds, right? I mean, thousands of years ago, here's the answer. There is one that was coming from heaven, and he's in control of everything, but it's going to be weird because he's going to look like a dude. But he's ancient of days. Like, he was there in the beginning, and he's going to have all dominion, not only over the Israelites, but all people. Even Arizonans, right? Even the expats from California that have moved over, right? Like, even them, they have... they. Their kingdom too. That's who Jesus is. Well, before we go that, that's who Jesus is. He is the son of God. He's the fulfillment of all the prophecy. He is the one come to rescue, to connect earth back to heaven in a way in a way that our works could never do, and all the power that we need from heaven makes its way to and fro on him, and he has dominion over all of the kingdoms. So praise God for this church, right? It's a small kingdom. Praise God that we live in Prescott Valley. It's a great place to live. Thank you for Yavapai County, and thank you, Lord, for Arizona, and thank you for the United States, and all of those things. Not that those can't be blessings, but those are not the kingdoms to whom I serve, and the kingdoms Who I depend on. There is one king, and he's been there before all the kingdoms, and he will be there after all the kingdoms are done, and that is Jesus. That is Jesus. Isn't it great to go back to the basic truth? I mean, basic is not even the right word for it, but you're like, oh, let's get more complicated. Give me some big old more church words. No. Like, here's what you need to see right now. You know me. I don't like to throw out those little cliche sayings that go on a coffee cup. But, I mean, here's one. It'd be a big coffee cup. But a thought I had, and I'm like, I really wanted to share it with you. Jesus, you see, is not who you expect him to be. But you are exactly who he knew you'd be. That's that's the cup I'd give to Nathaniel. I mean, that's the cup I'd give to me, to Randy, to Bill. The problem about assuming Jesus, because you live in a culture where he's just thrown around the name with Christmas trees and T-shirts at Target or whatever, right? Like, it loses the power of who he is. And so Nathaniel and James and John and Peter and Philip they had an expectation of what the one who would save them would do they had an expectation of what he would be where he would come from what he would act like and what kind of work he would do but instead of just pointing fingers and like i'm i'm going to say this to the teenagers over here i mean the biggest problem you're going to face is your parents did the same thing. Like, if they had faith at all, we expected Jesus to be like us and come our way. And then when he, when he didn't, we pout like babies. And then our kids watch it, and they're like, well, your faith doesn't really work. And then you guys set a whole new set of expectations of what you think God is going to do, be, and act like. And maybe you'll get some of those right, but... Probably not. But that doesn't make him less good. Because who he is, is greater than this life. Even if what he does in this life for you doesn't meet your felt needs, he is completing you and doing a work in you. But the really cool thing, really the good news of Jesus is, first of all, You're exactly, exactly who he knew you'd be. We spend enough time with each other. You see the squirrely parts of each other, right? Like, yeah, Elliot, like, I love him, but there's this one squirrely. I know the squirrely parts. We know each other well enough. We know the little squirrely parts about each other. And Reggie and I, we spend enough time together. We know some squirrely parts, right? You're like, yeah, I like Will. He's my brother, but he's a little squirrely sometimes, In this area, I got to understand God's still working on him. But that's great because God knew exactly who I would be. And the good news is it doesn't stop there. It says, even better, I put to you, he also knows you're not yet who he's changing you into. You're not yet who he's changing you into. Let me ask you, not because I need your approval, but I want to see where I'm wrong. Have you found Jesus to be exactly who you expected him to be? Have you found him to intercede in your life exactly as you expected he would intercede? Has he always given you, putting you in the place of healthy, wealthy, and wise? No. (laughs) Right? And we're like, that's not fair. But then Jesus is like, understand. God's going to pick some of you that are squirrely. Right? And he's not going to use the most impressive specimens at a time. Like, you might dance like that, okay? That's just that, what it is, okay? Like, they're not going to put you on a music video that doesn't play at a small church in Prescott Valley, okay? You're, you're, this is who you are. I knew exactly who you'd be. But the good news is if you let me, I'm making you even more than you are now. But you can fight this out. And we have a God who is so patient. He's not slow to act, the scripture says. But he's so patient wanting that all of us would come to repentance and grow in him. So you can fight it and pretend you're done once you get baptized, and you can just keep fighting it and get more bitter every year. And I'll keep hollering at you even when you're 95, as long as I'm still breathing, right? And and I'll be telling you, let God do his work in you. So to follow, I want to really end with this thought. good news about Jesus it always starts kind of weird right Josh because it starts with like it feels like bad news bad news you're not you're unfinished and what the Bible says is you're going to miss the mark and blow it sometimes and God's answer the perfect answer is Jesus and he's probably not going to do everything you got on your checklist for him to do oh bad news Good news, he is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the God who has a perfect plan, and he knew you'd be just the squirrely specimen you are right now, my brother, right? And that didn't change him, it didn't empty his plan, he loves you, he saw you under the fig tree, all your doubts, all your fears, all your insecurities, and says, let's go. I know exactly who you are, and I know exactly who you'll become if you follow me. And that's the call. That's the invitation, if you will. Wherever you're at, you not only follow Jesus once, but it's a present term, oftentimes, word that's used, and that means I've chosen to follow him, and I'm continually following him. So today, what's the date? July, what 24th? July 24th, right? You've got to choose afresh. In this moment, will I follow him? And so we're going to put a time together. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on back up. And see right now, here's an example. All of these folks, um, a few of them aren't as comfortable probably on stage as like I am, right? Because I'm a ham or whatever. But, but they push through that, trusting God To work in their lives and to make them new. And we get to join them in that. And that's really cool. But here's the good news for you. Jesus is coming. He's taking walks and meeting people. And he still does it today. As a matter of fact, I've been working on like really trying to articulate better what the church is. And here's a snapshot of one thing that I see. Do you understand the idea of a church? A gathering is simply this. It's an assembly or a gathering of people called out by God. That's it. It's not the building. It's not even necessarily the individual. It's the idea, the ecclesia, the gathering of those who believe. So Jesus has been taking walks. The Spirit's been taking walks and meeting people. And he met you, you and you and you and you and you and you and me. And he's brought us together. And so my job is to remind you of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's up to, even if he's not doing it the way that you expected him. And here's the second piece. He loves us even if we're under the fig tree not doing it the way we should. Even though I'm making mistakes. Even though he's not done with me. He's not done with me. And he's calling me, well, let's go. I know who you are and I love you and I choose you right now, but I'm making you into something more like me. And the question we have to ask ourselves on, man, not to exaggerate, but like moment by moment is like, this is God's way, will I go with him? Or will I say, no, I'm good. I'm gonna go my own way. So here's what I'd like you to think about. We're going to pray. We just find it more effective, play some music, kind of soft, and we go down with the the lights a little bit, and then we just have a little time before they start singing where you can sit before God and, and do the work that he has. He knows you. He loves you where you're at, but he's taking you somewhere. I mean, you came here. You came to the assembly of the ones who God's found, right? Now will you follow him? and maybe that's all he's asking you will you follow me and you say yes but maybe he's been asking you to do something go somewhere say something and you've been resistant and if you have stop stop resisting really follow him go walk with him to do the thing he's asked you to do to release the thing he's asked you to release to say what he needs to say to to forgive what you need to forgive. So I'm going to lead a little time and then you, you guys have some time after that. I won't even say amen. Uh, Jesus, you you have this way. You've come into the world full of dark as a light. Uh, and like coming into a dark bedroom with a flashlight, it's, it's, it disturbs. We've got so comfortable of the dark around us that we often hide from the light. But the light has come. And you're building a kingdom even now. Finding men and women and boys and girls who would follow you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do your work today with each individual person like you did with Nathaniel. Like, I know you, I see you, I love you. I know you, I see you, I love you. So Lord, we ask this time for you to have those conversations with your children. You call out those to follow you. And then we respond. So Lord, I just pray for courage and strength for the people to make those decisions to say yes and to walk with you. Just have your way, Lord.
2: all stand with us. You all know this last song, and you can tell I'm losing my lower voice, so I'm expecting all of you to help carry this. <laughs> are so great, Lord. We thank you so much for your power, your majesty, that you call each one of us, Lord, and let us just go this week and let everyone else see how great our God is.